Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world watching Social Convos live right now. And for those of you listening to the podcast version, thank you for joining in again. And it's a very, very special episode today. So Diego, tell us a little bit about why today is so special. Special, different, call it what you may, but as you can see from the people watching the video, you usually you just see the two of us starting the episode, but this time we're starting with four people and you may be wondering, four people, where these people come from? For those of you who have been following convos from, you know, back in 2020, know that it started with, you know, just the casual conversations among friends. Fast forward 2021, we kind of gone official, you know, launched a website, we got the social convos. That's uh, doing weekly, but many people know now know social convos. But I think it's time to introduce the other hosts from the other shows to a wider public. Although not many episodes have been released yet on those because we're experimenting with different formats. But I think it's time where we're ready to you know expose them. Let's call it that. But yeah, usually you guys see in social convos, a chat, we always have somebody checking the audio and video. And that's none other than our other host from uh, Capital Convos. That's Greg, Greg Bainatsa. And from Creative Convos, you got Motef Designs with us, aka Devin Morris. Actually, it's the other way around. Devin Morris, aka Motef Designs. So guys, welcome to Social Convos. Different welcome, welcome. style from the usual, but... You guys How does it feel to be guests? Yeah. It, it feels great, but it feels anxious. I feel a bit anxious to be live because everything I say, it's out there in the internet forever. During Capital Convos, I can edit out if I say something stupid. So there's some pressure here. Well, we, we started off the first time as a live as well, not knowing what to expect. And the fun thing about live, this is something that you guys know from the other side because you have commented on the live. We have some people joining in, so please joining in. And Thomas actually, <laughs> there's actually a separate conversation going on between Blue <laughs> and Tom at the moment. So that's a little fun as well. And Anil is joining as well from on Facebook. So uh, thank you for joining in again, Anil. So basically today's going to be a, a fun show. We have set the boundaries. Well, that basically the three, the four hosts of the different Confos podcasts are available here. They are here for questions. So if you're watching and you're thinking like, okay, I want a little bit, know a little bit more like when's the next Capital Confos coming out? What exactly is Creative Confos? Feel free to drop the question, but also just to have a little fun. I'm in Diego, we could almost start with a, a quick fire if you want to. Yeah, let's uh, hit them up with a quick fire real quick. So we, we, we chatted in the, you know, our, our little group on, you know, what we're going to talk about. I, I kind of been not reacting just to leave it open. So guys, then let's start with Greg. What's your favorite social convos episode till now? Oh, definitely the one with Anil. Definitely. Easily. Like that guy is, is really, really smart. And I, I'm glad he's here in the in the chat to hear us compliment him because it was really a great one. Yeah, my my favorite one was the you know, was the one with uh, Sergio Pengo. The way how he developed himself even in hard times. That was a really good one. So you also see like the different different things, and it's interesting that you chose two guests that are actually Suriname related. So that's uh, that's pretty awesome as well. I do want to know from your guys' perspective, what's the episode or what topic would you love to discuss the most tonight? So I'm asking that question, of course, to the both of you. I like to talk about 
economics, memes, and investing. Like if we touch at least one of those three, I'm good. And if it's all of those three, man, I'm going to sleep well. Well, in my case, that would be more on the creative side, but also in a way from, okay, if we watch, if we watch our infrastructure for creatives in our country, you will see there is a lot of development that can put out there, but there is a structure that needs to be set first and as the financial structure. And that's where Gregory can come, can come in working together with Diego. So we can explain that further. You guys gave a description why you're co-host of the show. So maybe we should start with that. That, that. That's a good segue to definitely go into. And that's the reason why I, I approached you guys individually in the beginning as well. So I actually started with another friend back in the day. And he introduced, I already knew Greg, but he introduced me to the financial side of Greg. And that's where we kind of hit it off and, you know, continued with that. And Tevin, I, I know Tevin from previous years from the social media conferences here. And I, I knew his, his illustrating work and I knew he was trying to, you know, document the process and why not make a podcast of that. So that's why I approached them. And you kind of, uh, Shandra, got... Yeah, we've been through this already. <laughs> we've been through this already. Basically, it was a win-win for Diego and I to start a social convo. So we both we both really benefited from from it. I mean, people that are watching don't know. Quick shout out to Jill who's watching as well. Good evening, good evening. And people don't know the backstory. Like we were discussing, like in a pre pre recording session, they were talking about my inconsistency and me being late. And always social convos, always starting on time. So for me, that's a great trigger on, on Tuesday to start right at nine o'clock to start, to start the show. Now, I do want to go dive directly into, into the things because basically, Greg, you mentioned economics, memes, and investing. For me, there is only one, one topic. Doge. Yeah. Is Doge all three? Is Doge economics, memes, and investing or not? Yes. Yes, it is. And it's, I believe it's the best of all three of them. What? And what would you say ah. to this when uh, a <laughs> new tweet notification from Elon? What's your take yeah. on the influence that uh, Elon has, and especially on Doge lately? Yeah, so I have a bit of a niche opinion on, on Elon Musk, which is that normal people, the usual Bitcoin crowd either swears by him or they denounce him publicly. But I believe that the problem with that is that the biggest pro that Bitcoin had was that it's decentralized. There's not a single person that can have access to everything. But we, the community let Elon become such a big part of crypto that we actually became a slave to whatever his thoughts were. So whatever Elon said, like everyone just went along and it was fun until it turned upside down. So we caused this on ourselves and I hope it's a learning moment for everyone in the Bitcoin community, which is that you don't trust billionaires just because they're cool. Bitcoin is anti-billionaire. Okay, just just quickly for, for people that it went a little bit too fast, maybe a short story on what exactly is Doge and, and what exactly is Elon Musk's his influence on, on, on Doge. And also right. a shout out to Esther saying that she's enjoying this meeting. All right. So Bit 
because Bitcoin is open source, which means everyone can copy the source code of Bitcoin and create their own digital currency, basically a copy of Bitcoin. The community behind the developers behind the Bitcoin network just came together and said around 2014, 2015, that they want to create a copy of Bitcoin and they want to name it after a meme. And the community could vote for what meme they wanted to name it. And Doge, the meme, the dog, was the winner. And then they called it Dogecoin. And Dogecoin is a carbon copy of Bitcoin. It's gotten really huge. And as of a few months ago, Elon Musk started pumping it like crazy. He, he publicly tweeted so many times about it. And every time he sent a tweet about Dogecoin, it would run up 20%, 10%. The memes were insane. Because if you don't know, Elon Musk at the time was the richest person in the whole world. And for people to see that, hey, mom, like this is, I'm not doing crazy stuff. The richest guy in the world says this is cool. So I'm cool now. So people put a lot of faith in Elon Musk and then eventually the support started to go down and eventually he made a public statement that his company was not going to be accepting Bitcoin anymore and that had a whole cascading effect. But basically the, the faith from Elon Musk, the godfather, it went down and then that caused a whole negative spiral. So it, it jumped, it, it, it jumped, it stopped going up right all around the time that he was the host of SNL, Saturday Night Live. Is it also due to the fact that they were expecting more? Because he plucked Dogecoin at least three times during all those sketches during Saturday Night Live. So was it like that they were expecting him to promote it more or was it something else? Yeah, I think that the expectations were too high and anything they hyped it up to be, it would be disappointing. And ever since then, he stopped hyping it up. And then the, the the unlimited amount of faith people had in Elon Musk, the person, it just wasn't there anymore. And then it started to sell off. I quickly want to go through some more memes, especially on Twitter, because Twitter is the place to be for crypto memes and stuff. And well, one of the memes that has been trending was the, the laser eyes. Uh, a lot of celebrities, a lot of crypto people, a lot of people just started putting laser eyes and it took me a while to get it. So you being a meme connoisseur yourself, what can you tell us about these laser eyes? What does it even mean for people I, who unknowingly, unknowingly see them on Twitter? I have no idea where they came from, but it started up as a hype to publicly announce your support for Bitcoin. You put, you take your profile picture and then you add laser eyes to them and then you put some hashtag Bitcoin or something, whatever. But then as soon as the Bitcoin price started to fall, now it's down about 50%, if I'm not mistaken, then obviously the support has gone away because they're just following the crowd. And this meme exemplifies that perfectly is that uh, you, you think it all goes up forever and then you, you lose your job and then you got to start back at McDonald's. I think that's a really funny meme. Yeah, so I, I, I actually looked it up, uh, the, the laser eyes date back to the old 4chan days. Uh, for those of you who don't know 4chan, it's really, I, I won't call it shady, but it's a, it's a troll website and a lot of, you know, stuff that people don't want to talk about publicly gets shared there and memeified there. So from, from my take, they, they revitalized it from there. And what the laser eyes was like, like kind of powering up like the Terminator kind of thing. 
And the, the goal with this was uh, that they were expecting Bitcoin to 100K. So they're going to leave that as on, on their profile pic till Bitcoin hits 100K. So that, that, from my understanding, what I quickly read on it was the gist mm. of it. Okay, yeah. I quickly, I want to go to Tefa, but before we do, last question for Greg, because Anil explains this as following. So basically, people are following the bigger influencer, so it's like a, being at a casino where you piggyback, and so you shouldn't cry when you follow Elon and you lose out. Kind of like saying like, oh, I'm just going to follow the person in the casino who makes the most money, and I'm going to side bet on every bet that he makes, hoping that I become rich as well. Exactly, exactly. But Elon Musk was attracting so much attention towards himself. He had all this power and people were expecting him to use it for good. But eventually it, it just couldn't keep on going anymore and then it started to fall. So just don't trust billionaires, man. <laughs> okay, I, I quickly jumped out. I quickly jumped out on this meme because basically we're talking a little bit about investing. We also want to talk to Tevin about being creative. And the, the, the thing about creative is always... We don't have any money. We don't have any money. We're being... So, Tefan, when we look at memes, for instance, do you feel like, does it take away from the creative of the creative people? Or do you say, like, no, actually, creative people have an advantage into making into making memes? To touch on that, I tried to make some memes, and it failed. It never catched on. So, you don't... You, have, you need to have a sense of humor. Let's put it that way. And when you get the vibes, you get the trends, and then you make a meme. So you don't have to be that Picasso to make a meme. So as, as long as you understand the situation and you could put it in in a way with pictures or in a, in a, in a GIF. Yeah. So I, can't, I, I would say anyone could make a meme. <laughs> if, if I can get into that, like the meme format is so compressed. You have very limited opportunity. But just like we see with TikTok, you get like five or 10 seconds and people go in creatively insane with those things. Like it's the same with memes. You have a very limited room in which you can be funny, but the people that can do it really well, it's so amazing when you can hit a meme out of the park. And to, to put it, to put it out in perspective, when I tried, when I tried to make a meme a uh, few times, I put too much effort to put it creatively and I'm losing the edge. For yeah, for the, the the humor edge, like I missed that out. So it should be sloppy, basically. Yes, and and <laughs> see, it got a thumbs up. But if I but if I would look, if I looked at, at memes, it's sloppy. It's like it's done on a phone app or something. But I tried it on. Maybe I should try that. But I tried it on using Photoshop. You know, make it nice, play with the text and all that. But hey. I think there's a niche for that, but in most yeah. cases, you you just use a free online meme app, like a meme maker, and then yeah. sometimes you just cut out uh, the name of the meme maker even, like people do that as well, or they just steal a meme from somebody else and then just add it to small things and then put their name on it. It, it goes quite crazy, and I also think, yeah, it's it's hard. Like, uh, there, there's this discussion, like uh, one of a Surinamese company that actually posted a meme and I and I replied to it, and somebody replied to my comment saying like, "Is it normal for a company like this to to connect to such a meme? Isn't that like, isn't doesn't isn't that like a, a bad correlation between the company and the meme if the meme is like kind of dark?" And I was like, "Yeah, I don't know." So I'm not sure what you guys think about that. You'd be surprised to how much people appreciate dark humor, 
And, you know, it's, it's kind of a reflective, in, in my opinion, it's kind of reflective of people that, that don't want to say something publicly, but it shows, it reflects the real, how the situation really is in a like uh, satirical, cynical way. And people usually connect with that. And the, the funny thing is Greg shared another, not per se a meme with us, kind of like, if, if you look at it now, companies are looking to hire people who kind of, you know, they, they call them meme art, artists or shit posters. And this is just to, you know, connect with a different kind of community, different kind of way of reaching people. So Tef, I, I'd like to get your take from a creative side, from a creative perspective. And also, you know, you also work uh, at a company kind of design, marketing aspect, branding aspect. How, well, what's your take on, you know, formal job listings like this? To look at it, I memes are getting hyped, memes are getting shown, memes are getting posted, reposted. And that is kind of like a way of rolling with the wave. And if a meme makes a wave, you instantly get a lot of, you, you can say your post can go viral. So if you make a meme that stands out, out of so many memes, people will share that. And that is basically online marketing, it's content marketing. You're posting that. And I, I would say I would say more companies should do it in, in our country. Um, because as you see, as, as I watch Facebook, there were a, a lot of trends online. Maybe something bad happened and somebody made a meme. And other companies take it over. I, I've seen that. I've checked it. And it works. People are literally posting that. But it's there that attached to that meme. So I, I would say it's it's a really good trend. It's a really good thing to do. I think it goes a little bit further than just memes. I think it's getting jumping into the news, jumping into like trends, things that are hot at the moment. If you're able to, I mean, in Dutch, we call it in hackers. Like if you're able to, to leverage what's currently going on and find a way to creatively get involved as a company, that's a big win. And I think in, in Suriname, it's kind of hard to do because most of the time the news is kind of negative. Uh, and there are companies that do it, you know, like when Paramaribo was flooded with water because of the rains, like there were some companies that jumped into like saying like, we can actually, we can help you out with this situation. But it's for companies, it's really hard to kind of jump into situations, actual situations when it's kind of negative, like there's a ne negative connotation to it, then they're very much afraid to do it. Whereas there are some companies that are just like, yeah, we, we can do this. We're, we're going to go for this. And those companies get, of course, thousands of shares. For example, I, I want to take Wendy's. Wendy's is internationally famous for the way they roast people online. So I just looked it up. Wendy's on Twitter has around 4 million Twitter followers. That is insane. And if we comp and when Wendy's is just a regular US-based, what do they call it? Fast food joint. And they have more Twitter followers than McDonald's, which is a global fast food chain, right? All of all that following, all that expansion in network is just because of how good they are with their memes. It's ridiculous. Memes are amazing. And maybe I will jump into that. They even have the audacity to roast other competitors. So not only people, competitors. So that yeah, but sometimes the competitors ask for it. <laughs> I, I I think I saw an ad also where I, I don't know it's Burger King or something, but they are using the old toys 
to make some trays or something with that. They, they're recycling it. And in that ad, there was a small section and they were like, oh yeah, oh, or also their toys were using to recycle, to make plastic trays or something. I, I, I forgot which company it was, but I know it's a fast food company who did that. And it's kind of also like a meme, like a pun. Cool. So to, to bring this uh, meme full circle with going back to Greg and Tevin, you can comment on it as well. There's one last meme I, I, I'd like to share. So this kind of hits home like from really recently. I, I want to get your take on this, Grant, the psychological aspect from, you know, people in economics and investing. So there's this popular meme from Leonardo DiCaprio from The Wolf of Wall Street and you, you can, they, they kind of layered over a text here, you know, spending $20 at a grocery store versus spending $2,000 or crypto or on an investment or something. So what's the, you know, psychological or, you know, the financial motive behind that, that, that people kind of act that way? And I find myself in that same trap sometimes. So, so the reason why this meme is really good, because it goes into something deep in psychology, which is the gambling mindset, which is that people don't want to spend money on something that... In, in fact, loses money. But when they think that they can gamble their money and make more of it, then the gambling part of their brain starts activating. So you could basically compare this to spending $20 at the grocery store and $20 and $2,000 at the gambling ring or at slot machines. It's basically the same effect. And that's why it's really funny. And, and for me, it's just the creative side. Like, come on, those two shots is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> So you could, Devin, you could be the one that cr that selects the screenshots of different movies and then you just post them out there and you just say, guys, give me your best captions. So maybe that's something you can do. Say like, be the provider of like the visuals for the memes and let other people make the memes. Like there, there's always a niche to, to play around in, I guess. Yeah, that, that, that's a good idea. I think... I think I tried it once. I think there was a movie going on or a TV series. It was called Bridgerton. And there was also this trend with, oh, how should I say it? Someone in the politics that had did something with money. And I kind of put my head and I put his name. And he was saying, oh, look at those peasants. Because in Bridgerton, they were a lot, a lot of riots and those kind of stuff. So it kind of catched on, but not as I hope. So... Don't put your hopes too high also up. That's that I would say too. Hey, it takes work. It takes work. That that's what one of the memes has said as well. Like if you would invest like five years of your life into creating memes, I mean, you're you're bound to catch on. But then don't stop after four months of trying because you just haven't reached. And I think people underestimate that a lot. I mean, like pretty simple ex really recent example. Right now, my my YouTube channel is doing quite well. Like from the last three, four videos, I'm getting a dozen views per video just because it happens that at the moment, I'm also wearing a Surinamese vest. Nacho is hot. Everybody wants to talk about, about football and about the World Cup qualifiers. So the topics that we're uploading now is resonating better with the viewers than, for instance, high quality information that I would usually post. And that's all part of the trying this for, for years, like finding a way to, to use content, to, to find out what kind of content do people want to have at what moment. And yeah, we really like long form. Of course, we look at Joe Rogan and like, wait, I can do a podcast for two hours. Let's just do a podcast for two hours. Why can't we do a podcast for two hours? But once you do that, 
like if you do a podcast for two hours somewhere in those two hours there are two minutes and 30 seconds that are legit fire but if you don't take that out and distribute that on other social media platforms like nobody's ever gonna find out about it because nobody's gonna look for two and a half hours to find a two and a half minute segment that's really fire so i mean the media companies have figured this out a long time ago it's just we are starting to slowly catch up to that to that idea as well yeah getting into that you see for now for example joe rogan has a youtube page and then he has a joe rogan clips separate youtube page where you can just subscribe to get all the highlight clips which are really good so there are a lot of people doing that right now so people are really catching on yeah and also the funny thing is like like you only start the second channel when the first channel is already kind of big and you know you want a different audience so it doesn't make sense so this is also the conversation that like we are we are having with with this podcast and with other podcasts is should you have sorry should you have a separate channel just for the podcast yes or no should we have a separate spotify just for the different convos podcast or should the convos be just on one spotify link so it's these kind of things it, it takes time to to figure these things out. I'm glad to mention that, Chandruk, on, you know, should we, let, let's go a bit meta, since we got all the hosts here. So let's go a bit meta and, you know, use convos as our guinea pig. So let, let's start with Tevin for this one. So from your perspective, right, uh, kind of, we, we kind of went on a hiatus, a uh, little hiatus with creative convos. Uh, we started recording again recently and uh, we're planning it out. We expanded the list of guests as well. But... From your perspective, at what point do you think or what do you, how do you see creative convos going forward within the convos platform? Should we go, you know, separate Spotify, separate Apple, Apple podcast channels? What, what, what's your take on that? We're, we're now publicly discussing what we do behind closed doors. Okay. At the moment, we, we're, we are recording. We have a huge guest list looking at the and the guests that we have lined up and yeah looking at the guests we could say for now we're good in this confos universe using the same handles on spotify and apple podcast but there's going there will be a time that it will expand in in the way of of users of listeners and they might want to check up on a few episodes so if you move that to a separate account they can check it right away like but for instance like what we did uh a few times ago like hey we, we talked with this person on this episode on this thing and about that thing so at some point you they might want to search in that separate uh, account for that specific episode so it's it would be really hard i would say that again I missed on another word. It will be really good to check up on that episode for that specific topic. So for uh, a way of, okay, I'm gonna make it short. I'm gonna put my answer short. For now, we're good in this in this in this lineup. But as soon we're getting more and more listeners for that specific convo, like creative convos, then we can go over to a separate account. Because at some point we have so many episodes and when we go back, hey, check this one out. Uh, we, we talked about this with this person. Then they can check up in that handle for that episode. They don't have to search all the way to all the episodes of all the other convos. 
Oh, Greg, so we're kind of taking a different approach now after some evaluation for Capital Compost. At the beginning of the year, we, we decided, you know, we're going to branch out, as you suggested. The, the, we started with casual compost. That, that was the, the, you know, the pure place of it all. But because we our conversations were, you know, very finance-related, economics-related, we, we decided to, to niche it down and kind of figured out a different format to try out. So how, how do you see Capital Convos going forward? I think it's all about the, the viewership. If we see that viewers translate over from other episodes to watch our episodes, then that would mean that there's a lot of demand for the network Convos. But if we see that it's niche and we get considerably less views or considerably more views than all the other Convos episodes, then we could consider putting it as a separate channel. But my gut feeling is, is that we are going a bit niche. So it might be a good idea to separate, but uh, I can't know beforehand. I'm not an expert in this. Okay. I feel like we should, we should definitely ask. I mean, we have a couple of people watching. Shout out to Roanne, who's also joining in. Thank you for joining in again. And Tom, who has been in the comments for a while, but also say good evening. Good evening, Tom. Tom, thanks for joining in. So we have some high quality guests, some people that have been around and have run their own businesses or done international research. So maybe a good question to ask them. And what I would do is say like, let all four of us put in a topic like right now, discuss a topic, say like, this is something that would regularly be featured on Capital Confos. This would be something that would be regularly regularly featured on future, on Creative Confos and on Social Confos. And let the, the people in the comments decide whether or not they would be interested in, in a, a, a podcast about that topic. So I, I would guess one person, because investing opportunities here from a mindset perspective are very limited. People don't really know how to access financial markets. And because they don't know how to access financial markets, they are really limited in how and what they can invest. And investments are one of the most beautiful things in the whole world, because that's how you gain generational wealth. And if you don't know how to access that, you, you kind of stay at a base point and you, you never really go as high as you could. So one, it would be around just personal finance, how you can change your personal spending habits. And the second would be how to invest specifically from the perspective from the average Surinamese person earning SRDs. Then I shall go. I have at least two. It's also about a financial thing, but that's about if you look at the creative space, there is a saying, the artist goes hungry. Yeah. We, it's, we need to learn, just as Chris Doe said, says it, you need to learn also thinking the business side of designing and being creative. So that's one. And the second one that I have is also, if, if you look at the creative audience that we have, we have a lot of creators, a lot of creative persons. We have artists, we have designers, we have content creators. We have so many. We're really talented. But the only thing we don't have is the platform. We we have we have the the artist side. They have the, the art platform. But I'm talking mainly more on the side on, on design wise. Just as how we have the future from Chris Doe. It's 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 more centered around a niche audience. Maybe we should also look into that. We need to have a platform. Not per se a platform, but where they can go for advice for guidance and to check out more on those kind of things in, in, in the design world. 
So correct me if I'm wrong. Are, are you saying that we, aside from the podcast, we we should expand to being that platform, or is it more going in depth on those kind of topics, getting the experts on who on you know creatives who've you know successfully turned around their art, their designs, and turn it into a sustainable income source that kind of can work for you. If you put it that way, yes, because at at the moment when we're having guests, we're also asking, what do you do? How do you do it? How do you take? How do you do your stuff? How do you make money off your work that you're producing? So that's that's where we're get we're giving them the 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 advice. But also, if you okay, I'm take I'm keep taking the example of uh, the future. The future is also a co- a company, but it also give a way of how to do things better. We all we already show you, hey, we're doing it this way, this artist does it this way, and they're having a YouTube lives on a Thursday, I believe. I even checked it a long, a long time ago. They have Thursday's live to talk about a certain topic. For instance, they might go into, let's say, how do you brand yourself? Or what branding tools do you use? Or they might ask another guest, for, hey, Maybe you should give like a tutorial or like a crash course about LinkedIn. How how do you use LinkedIn as a creative? So those kind of things we can put on more out there. And the the convos, creative convos, is an outlet channel where people can get ideas from and where they can take other persons, other creatives as not as ideals, but more as a, an example for hey, I can learn from this guy. This I can do this better. I can learn from this guy or much better. But as a platform, we could use even use the website that you already have, put more things out there. Yeah. Okay. So because I have to ask about the future. So is it more like the show is it's a show and there's a business model built around it or there's an actual business and part of the business model from the business is running the show? Okay. If I, if I look at the future, there are, they are a, a business, they do business, but it's more, the future is, you can say the more the, the the more there's a platform for more expanding the way of how other people uh, are doing their, their their work because i know chris doe and his team are sitting in a company blind but whatever they're doing and learning they using the future to tell it out there and he, he has a saying that he puts out there is to teach one billion persons he, he wants to reach one billion person to do that so it's a goal He's using to teach people because he was a teacher at a design school and he's using that to emphasize more on how other creators should get their work out because he, he says uh, there are a lot of persons struggling and they need to get the word out for hey we need to do for instance how to branch up better he's saying he's giving tips he's even you can even buy certain things like documents you can also get them for free yeah, but so for me personally, if you describe it like that, me being an entrepreneur, I see that as a business. I just see it as a business and the, the, the platform is kind of part of the business model. Like it's, it's kind of similar to the to the conference, whereas the social media conference, it's not a conference for Ineffable. Of course not. So we're a business. And the, the conference is a platform for everybody that's into social media for sure. So we don't try to hijack it saying it's our conference. We're just the host of the conference and the platform is on, on itself. So it stands alone from, from the actual business. But on the other hand, the business benefits from it as well. 
So you can see it like a foundation, whereas a foundation, its sole purpose is to just build the platform for it, which is a very different approach, uh, which we do, in, for instance, with the Surifesta Foundation. That's like an NGO, it's nonprofit, it's completely focused on a certain goal. Whereas for me, what you're describing is kind of more like a business that actually has a platform which it uses to gradually grow and help others, but it's still part of the business model. You can, you can't fully separate yeah. it. Maybe I'll I'll add to that because I I know the story of the future as well. Kind of that's uh, how me and Tevin aligned in, in the beginning because I've been a avid yeah I've, I've learned a lot from uh, their content and they originally were an agency a creative agency called Blind and basically they work for the big boys like you know Xbox made huge advertisements and they, they built up that reputation that track record. They started on the site with the Future Academy on YouTube as, you know, using that additional content for, you know, sharing, using that abstraction, kind of like what we're doing, you know, uh, repurposing content for stuff. And that kind of started gaining traction. And then they slowly pivoted from one business to the other. And it, it took a few years to build up that audience. And they kind of used, you know, investment from blind at first to build that up and then pivoted the business completely to be not just an agency anymore, but to be a kind of, you know, a education platform for other creatives to teach them the business side from what they've learned through that journey. And if actually, well, what I really liked about that was they had creatives on, they, they, they tried different models, but documentation was a huge part of that process. They documented everything and they really invested in the quality and I think that sets them apart from like other similar types of platforms or, you know, Coursera, other education platforms is they really niche down in the production and really focus on the pain points of creatives at that point. What I think for us could be, you know, the differentiating factor, they are very, even though a lot of it is applicable to anyone in the world, but it's still very US-based, US-focused with the infrastructure there. And that is, I think, where together with the financial part, which is why I overlap those two yeah, topics, where we could play a role and capitalize on that potentially. But it's a long game. He, he put it really out there. Like, yeah, that, that's how the transition went from the blind to the future. So I want to I wanna know from you guys, to be honest, how pragmatic do you want your confos to be? Could you please explain what you mean by pragmatic? So exactly. basically most of the time it's like talking about something like putting like a seed into the minds of others to realize like, hey, there's this much potential. This is something we can do. It's really hard to get into the world of investing, but once you start investing and seeing like how the money multiplies and how it works, it becomes a kind of eye-opening. So that's like, like you could do it from that perspective that you want to like put in a seed, you want to motivate, you want to inspire others. Or do you want to go to a side that you're actually also teaching people like, okay, so how should I do this? So for instance, buying crypto in Suriname, is, it's kind of hard. Like if you don't have an, a, a, a bank account like outside of Suriname, buying cryptocurrency like for yourself, like directly to a wallet, is kind of damn near impossible. So the question becomes like, do you want to go a little bit pragmatic where you kind of teach like, these are the tips and the tricks and the things that you can do? Or do you want to focus on the inspiring and the aspiring uh, investors, the aspiring creatives? Do you want to kind of push them a little bit forward, but ask them to do a little bit of their own research when it comes to actually becoming practical? 
I think that wasn't the original plan, at least for the capital convos. The original plan for the capital convos was to find a way to network with outside financial advisors and people in the industry. Because from Suriname, the industry is so small that you, you can't even get your foot in the door. So when you just start small, just set up the contacts, see how they think. That's how I wanted to grow it at least. But we just talked about if there is demand for the local population for how to how to get in this world and how to actually start get the ball rolling, then I could definitely see it going a direction of more pragmatism and getting really down to the basics, fundamentals, crypto 101, like economics 101. And we could do that for a few months and then we could slowly advance as our audience gets more advanced as well. Yeah, my mindset from the beginning, if I would check on Creative Confos, would be that not only motivate, but also put the idea out there for, hey, you can do this. If you if you had an idea, you like this, you want to do this for the rest of your life, this is how you're going to do it, but do it better. These were my obstacles. I I overcame this on this way. You might be better. So it's more on on... on on using this person's life or his journey as a motivation, but also as a, a way of telling, hey, you can do it better. To, to quickly so, add to that, the, the, one of the main things people miss with a podcast is that you have an excuse to have a conversation with some of the smartest people in the world. Because if you call Jeff Bezos or someone you look up to and say, you want to have a chat, chat you want to network, chances are 99% they'll say no. All right. But if you say you have a podcast and you would like to expose their ideas to a whole new set of people in Suriname, no one knows who they are, they are very likely to say yes. Like that's that's what I did. So I view it as as an experience for me. And then on the other side, we can use it as an opportunity to maybe not educate, but at least facilitate a different point of view that the typical Surinamese person doesn't have. To exemplify that, Greg, I, I think uh, looking back, you, you cold called going back to our episode with Robert Murphy. Can you tell us how, how that went and, you know, how that benefited us as a you know platform and you as an individual as a whole? All right. So the, the story is there's this economist I, I really, really look up to. I, I read his paper. I bought his book. And then I just sent him a, rest, a random email just thanking him for something he wrote. It was very insightful. And then I asked him a question and then he, re he gave a response to my question. And then I hit him with the, you want to come on the podcast? We, and initially he didn't reply for a few days. Then I just sent a reminder and then he said, oh, cool. Sorry, I didn't get back to you. I'm, I'm swamped for the next two months, but we can do it a few months after that. It's just that simple. This guy is a PhD economist, right? I look up to him a lot. He is pretty famous in his small niche. And he just like, yeah, cool. I'll come on. No big deal. Like it was, it was that easy. Just send an email, send, an send a reminder. And it was like that. It was scheduled. Like that's how easy. If you have a niche for horror makeup, like just send those people an email and you can get started. Because there aren't many opportunities in CERN, I can imagine, for horror makeup because I don't see it on social media. But you can just send anyone an email. Oh, it's there. It's there. You just, there, there's a niche and there's actually a niche. And I, I do want to jump into that because if you're going to mention that, you should also put out the content for that because there is actually a need for it. And and Ruan just yeah. wants to say it's 
it's very encouraging. So now I'm going to quickly, yeah, throw you guys, not under the bus, but I'm, I'm going to challenge you guys. Why, why doesn't the, why don't the convos happen more often? Should I go first? I will go first. Okay. We went, like we were at a moment when, yeah, with the lockdown and everything, no excuses there. Don't, I'm not going to make excuses, but I was really, I was blown by a lot of things. And in a way, I stopped, in a way, kind of communicating with, 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 with Diego. But I still was asking a lot of persons around that I knew, for, hey, you want to go on? Do you want to jump on? And then when we got back together with Diego and I was like, yo, I have a list and we can do this. And then we started making steps again. And we also have a schedule for at least dropping at least one a month. So we're getting, we're getting there. We already started recording again. So we're putting it out there. Yeah, just quickly. I, I do understand you can do it like every week because then Diego will have to do four podcasts a week. So that might be a little much as well. Just pointing out, Greg, that Anil also totally agrees with you regarding uh, inviting a podcast of international. I mean, Anil is an international renowned person as well. And we got him on the social compost. So that was a great example. But you were about to answer the question as well. So go ahead, Greg. Basically for me, the, the podcast is not something I allocate a lot of time to because there are a lot of things that are have a higher priority in my life at least at the moment that's point one point two the lockdown messed up everyone's schedule at least a little bit and point three uh, we are pre-recording a lot of content so in case there are stumbles in the future we have a buffer of a certain amount of episodes because no one you need that once you really get started you need that consistency otherwise the algorithm isn't going to work in your favor and you need everything to work in your favor as much as possible I, I do agree. And I do, I do think you have to you have to put it out and you have to continue to go at it. And uh, Diego and I, I mean, it's like we do this every week. It's not like we don't have our downfalls that we don't look at the numbers and like, hey, why is this episode better than the other one? But in the end, you get into a certain rhythm and you kind of, it becomes part of your life. At least for me, this, this show is part of my life now. So I think that's also something in perspective. I think you guys have pretty good setups I mean, your audio is, is is on point as well. So I can imagine, of course, COVID screwed it up because the podcast setup for, for both uh, convos was different. Like it was actual convos, physical setup. So you do have to change that. And of course, you don't want to lose the quality due to the internet connection. But in the end, like just this conversation as well, we do have a couple of technical hiccups, but it's not that much that you're willing to sacrifice and say like, it's not worth doing. So I do want to empower you guys because I feel the content that you're going to put out in some cases will be valuable, even more valuable than the social confos conversation. And we do need that. So the longer you wait, the, the, the bigger opportunity, basically, not only we and you guys as, as hosts miss, but also the people that are listening kind of miss out on as well. So I hope that's kind of a motivation as well for like, hey, do this for your country, guys. Do this for the people listening. Don't don't think like nobody's interested. You just have to find a format that attracts the most people without losing kind of the, the idea of the show. So for that, Greg, for example, you were saying like, maybe you should start a little bit lower level, start a little bit more personal finance, give a couple of personal finance tips. I actually, two years ago, there was somebody, a Surinamese creator that was just putting out short videos saying like, these are some personal finance tips. And these just went viral. They went absolutely viral. Aside from how good he was presenting it, 
is also still that people want that information. So if you have like, if you would have a social conference that would just say like, how to save a thousand SRDs a month. I mean, you know how many people would just jump into that because it's something that they're really interested in. And in the end, you have to decide like, do I want to attract like this big audience that is into something that's very current at the moment? Or do I'm saying like, no, I don't mind if it's a small group because it's evergreen content. And in five years time, this topic will, will ask the same question and it will be the same answer as well. Yeah, that's really insightful. The, the motivation that there is demand behind what we're producing, even though it might be niche, like just that, that extra validation, does, it does provide a lot. To, to comment on that, I, I do remember, I, I think I know which creator you're talking about, the, the short videos he made, and I, I know him personally as well. And he, he was at that stage, if, if I look, if I remember correctly, I, I had this conversation with him and the demand was there, but there, there lacks, once you start, you got to keep going. And that's where the traction comes in, the consistency, because eventually you're hit a wall. And that's why I, I'm happy I got have co-hosts as well to, to have that accountability. Because believe me, believe me, if we didn't set up from the beginning, Sean, look, that we were going to release every week, it wasn't going to happen. If, if we didn't do that, it wasn't going to happen. It just wasn't going to happen. Yeah, but the thing that you mentioned, I mean, Sheetal mentioned it as well about her first course and then she kept going and that's kind of, we know, we, we know the creator we're talking about is, is Risa, which I really, I really like his content. And, and at a certain point we, I spoke to him about it as well. And it's just to, to pick it up again, because you're, you're going to fall, especially if you're the first, like seriously considering something new, especially Greg, if you're going niche, you're going to be the first. And look at this podcast. This is episode 22. This is episode 22. We're still like in the early, early, early beginnings of social convos. Like this is really early. It's like the first 2% of, of the convos. That's, that's what we're aiming for. But still for us, I mean, compared to other convos, I, I started podcasting in 2014. I did two episodes or four episodes. Then uh, Giorgio and the Neighbors podcast, I think as well, Jamie, that, that also went a couple of episodes. We also had on Huduris is the Pussy. That was also a podcast that also that even went the full season. And it just shows you how difficult it is to continue because people are not going to tell you, like, we love this show from the early beginning. Like, there are certain bumps that you have to overcome that you're like, oh, wait, people are really really into this and like for instance as well on on the the sports podcast for instance the lucky d show i mean diana and i have been on it at it for more than a year every week we've uploaded we started with a separate podcast with completely structured then when COVID really hit we were like okay we're just gonna do a live show we started on facebook going live just on on separate channels and just seeing like and, and talking and all of a sudden it was kind of building up but because you get the reps in you start realizing like okay this is what people want to hear this is what we want to do and again i'm going to come to the point that you're going to have to decide like am i gonna sway be swayed by the audience to change a little bit of of the style just to reach more people or i'm just gonna say like i'm gonna be this backpack back rapper and I'm going to be like loved underground, but like, I'm not ever going to catch mainstream. And that's just, 
the decision you have to make. But even a successful backpack rapper, the Nas of the world, like for if you're really into hip hop, I mean, it takes 10, 20 years. And, and that's why I'm saying like, you have to get those reps in. You have to put out at least 20 shows a year just because in five years time, then you have made it a hundred shows. And somebody has done a hundred shows in one year. That person is just getting the same amount of experience that you're getting over five years time. And you have to decide for yourself, like, like you said, how high of a priority is it for me? That is really, those are some really, really good points. And things, these are things to think about, not to just respond and, and say, yeah, you're right. You're right. So I'll have to think about them. Then I'll get back to you privately. Same, same, because it, it, for me, creating, creating something, it's not a problem, but keeping consistently, that's, that's where the hard work lies. And it's not, it's not that I do not love hard work. It's, it's, it's like when you're working on something, you're getting it, you're like, oh, wow, nice. It's perfect. But you, yeah, we shall not go to perfect. <laughs> but it's go more on like when you create something it has, it, it, it it's good. You see the audience react to it. I've seen it many, many times when I created something, I put it out on Instagram, getting reactions. But to keep that up, it's it's another story. And I I, I did I did with the I did with the with with the convos. I searched up so many persons. And when the time came, when after Diego touched up again with me, followed up, I literally went back to them like hey we're, we're opening up we started recording again when can i do this and before you know it we had the entire list and we have literally people from people people all over the world and that's just people from my instagram linkedin mainly linkedin and we will yeah we'll work on it we'll definitely work on it yeah definitely and uh, I, i've had this conversation with every one of you individually as well so we we, we got homework but Definitely. And uh, I, I think it, it's a good place to close it off as a part of self-reflection and also to, you know, for the people listening to get some value or something to research on the way, uh, a book that comes to mind on having this consistency, this, this creative rut to get over it. A great book is um, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield, I think was the author. So I highly recommend that book for anyone listening on The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Uh, we'll link it in there as well. And yeah, so if you're, you, you've listened all the way to the end of this episode, appreciate it. We didn't really have any, you know, fancy guests all the way up from the other side of the world this time. It was just more an introspective. Hey, these are very, very fa fancy guests. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah <laughs> not, not, not to, you know, social convos has a format that people expect and this was kind of a curveball to them. So that, that's why I'm mentioning it like that. But yeah, it's uh, this is very introspective and I think it's very important for us as, you know, uh, a podcasting platform to look at us ourselves every now and then to see at what point we are. And I think this was good therapy. Quick shout out to Tevin. So guys, quickly before we leave, and I have to go behind the television because we have to watch Canada play against Ornacho. So quick shout out to, to Hedwig as well. Keep it up, guys. So quickly, what's in store? Where can they find out more if they're interested in the other convos? Where would you send them? All right, for Capital Convos, you can just go on the Convos website regarding future episodes. We'll be we'll start releasing content at around end of the month, but we might revisit that and start earlier because of what Shanluk just said. 
like I, I want to start recording tomorrow. <laughs> All right. So we'll get to at least the end of the month. Then we'll have uh, future episodes lined up, I believe, either monthly or bi-weekly after that. It's the same way as uh, Creative Convo, as will be on convos.com. Uh, yes. And we will be posting at least one a month. And we already started recording. And we will still re record and keep up those episodes. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, this was Social Convos. The audio episodes will be released on Saturday. And Shanduk is egging to go because uh, uh, Nacho is playing uh, against Canada. So we won't, and everybody probably who is not, who's watching this, so also moving on towards yeah. that. So we won't keep anyone yeah, any longer. So have a good evening. Enjoy the, yeah, enjoy the game. And we will see you next week on Social Convos. Yes. All right. Thank Bye, you. guys. Bye.